Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Wednesday. It's April 5th. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I'm trying not to let the weather forecast ruin my excitement no and i'm talking about masters week here and we'll dive into that a little bit more but uh you always want it to be sunny you always want it to be great but potential thunderstorms in in play here uh putting a little damper on the the best championship going right now yeah, and cold, too. I saw uh, Tiger Woods being interviewed. They always have that. Uh, it's in the clubhouse. They always had a fireplace in the background, right? <laughs> so they had the fire going, and, uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, we were doing this last segment, uh, so I didn't turn it up. But, I, you know, I just kind of went, whoa, you got the fireplace going there. Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think today is supposed to be like a, a record high and that it's supposed to be like barely 50 degrees by Saturday. So it's kind of all over the place in terms of the weather. Uh, but specifically, you mentioned Tiger Woods. Curious to see how this weather impacts his body, just the preparation that right. it takes for him to get ready to go to play in a tournament. Um, now you add in the the cold weather. I don't know if that makes the the weathered body feel good it sucks i mean <laughs> i'm not even an athlete and you know, we've had colder weather than usual here in the the last few months and yesterday for god's sakes what the heck uh anyway we went out i went out yesterday for a little while and i went man i need to i put I had shorts on to start with and i said i've got to turn around and go put go back home and put some jeans on here i'll but get us a big deal to me <laughs> I'll get us back on track here uh, with Masters Week. We will have some more updates a little bit later on in the hour. And then also Alex Myers of Golf Digest set to join us uh, around 11.15 to also preview Augusta National and the championship ahead. It's also your last chance for Diamondbacks tickets to Thursday, April 6th, home opener against the Dodgers. We'll have a pair of tickets in today's show as well. But let's first set the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Here, are you watching more Major League Baseball because of the new pace of play rules? Bob, you caught up with Zach Kreiser of Yahoo Sports in the last hour, and if you missed any of that conversation, you can always podcast KDOS1060.com, the KDOS 1060 app, or Apple and Spotify. Uh, the answers here: yes and no. No leading the way at 63% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 37%. Yeah, I know the television ratings have been up, especially for the you know the, the nationally televised games. Thursday, Friday, and definitely Saturday. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know about uh, you know, last night. I don't know. I think it's too early to tell on that. But, you know, they have the Tuesday night game on TBS, etc. So uh, I don't know if that's because of the rules or just because it's early season and people are kind of into it and so forth. But 
Yeah, we uh, we got into our my conversation with Zach. A lot of it had to do with uh, the pace of play rules, and you know we talked about obviously the Manny Machado situation yesterday with the uh, Padres against the Diamondbacks in the first inning with him being ejected after the pitch clock violation and so forth. But uh, we got into a lot of that. We talked some other you know you know non pitch clock and timing items uh, with Zach. So it was it was fun to do that. And we will answer that question around 12, uh, actually, no, 1130 today. Uh, I was adding an extra hour to the program. On to Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Who would be the most difficult first-round opponent for the Suns? Clippers, Lakers, or Warriors? Warriors continue to lead the way at 83.3% of the vote. Lakers at 16.7% and still no love for the Clippers, trailing at 0% of the vote. Yeah, maybe that's the Paul George thing. I don't know if we – I haven't seen an update on him uh, for you know, since he went out with the injury, which was uh, almost two weeks ago now. Uh, so maybe that's part of the deal there. Yeah, maybe the part of the love for the Warriors here too is that you know Wiggins was he didn't play last night, but he was at he was on the he was at least uh, you know back with the team last night after he had missed uh, you know it's, it's, you know many many games twenty some games. Uh, you know, with his father, you know, not doing well health-wise. And uh, so he has returned to the team now and is expected to uh, stay and remain for the playoffs. The last update I saw on Paul George with the Clippers was that there was no update. Okay. There you go. Uh, that's on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Another question we'll answer today around 1130. We'll take your calls as well, 602-260-1060, around 1030. So getting into the news that broke yesterday afternoon in regards to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, some serious allegations alleged by former Cardinals VP Terry McDonough. If you haven't heard yet, Terry McDonough has filed an arbitration claim Tuesday to the NFL commissioner's office, Roger Goodell, that is accusing owner Michael Bidwell of gross misconduct that includes cheating, discrimination, and harassment. Let's go through it a little bit here. McDonough claims that both he and former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes were left no choice but to follow Bidwell's plan to use burner phones to communicate with former Arizona Cardinals general manager Steve Kime while Kime was serving a five-week suspension after pleading guilty to extreme DUI. McDonough claims he and Wilkes, quote, objected to and sought to avoid participation in a scheme hatched by Bidwell to utilize burner phones. In response to McDonough's objection to the illicit burner phone scheme bidwell according to mcdonough cursed at berated and formally reprimanded mcdonough and ultimately demoted him those are direct quotes there mcdonough claims that his opportunities to advance his career in the nfl evaporated after he refused to go along with bidwell if you look at the timeline here i believe mcdonough interviewed for the vacant San Francisco uh, 49ers position that ultimately went to John Lynch, and he did not have any other opportunities to interview for general manager positions after that particular uh, interview process. The Cardinals here will have 20 days to respond to McDonough's claims under the NFL's dispute resolution procedure guidelines. Then Goodell will determine if the case is uh, subject to arbitration. McDonough is seeking damages for breach of contract and emotional distress. Let's stop here and just focus here on the allegations in regards to the burner phones. Uh, This is potentially very serious. I don't know how at minimum 
loss of draft picks don't occur if investigated and found to be true. Uh, because I look at Miami's situation with the tampering and a first rounder was taken away for them. Yeah, I, I, I don't dispute that at all. I mean, the Cardinals did respond last night via statement and they basically, you know, just, uh, you know, they, they called his claims false, reckless, and an opportunistic ploy for financial gain. So I'm sure we'll get into this uh, more once uh, we get along further in the process. And, you know, I think it's, uh, you, know, you know, there's a rush to judgment thing about a lot of things in uh, the world and uh, I'm not going to get my I'm not going to put myself included in that until there's more information or there's a ruling from the commissioner. Uh, it also though I think shows in general that there's a lot of chaos going on behind closed doors and it's been going on for a while now. Or it could be just a disgruntled employee and who uh, eventually was let go by the organization. So you never know, at least I don't know. Uh, I'm not smart enough to know that, and I'm not around enough to have any idea what actually has happened so far. Uh, McDonough's filings continued here that Bidwell had treated a black employee and two pregnant women poorly and, quote, created an environment of fear for minority employees. In this filing, though, McDonough did not provide specifics. McDonough did allege that in 2019, top management conducted an employee engagement survey and Bidwell intercepted the results of the survey and canceled it. According to McDonough, quote, many employees who responded to the survey indicated that they were fear of Bidwell on a daily basis as a result of Bidwell's erratic uh, behavior, often abusive interactions with them. Again, end quote there. McDonough's grievance filed to Bidwell's attorney last week, and Goodell on Tuesday said that, quote, Bidwell's widespread workplace misconduct is significantly worse than the misbehavior of former Crosstown Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver. Uh, that's quite a statement there when you don't have specifics in the particular findings. So I think for this, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. We have to see what sort of investigative process will come forth with all of this. Uh, but certainly that is a statement that you put out there. So uh, you have to have some sort of evidence to, to back up a statement like that. I don't know how the NFL will not investigate this, but a couple of different things I looked at as potential precedent here. Uh, Jerry Richardson and the Panthers organization, uh, very specific allegations of sexual harassment and racial slurs were made against Richardson, and he announced that he would sell the team at the end of the 2017 season after all of that unfolded. You then also have Daniel Snyder and the Commanders. The NFL is investigating with Mary Jo White right now. The league, however, has not yet released the findings of this particular investigative report and if you think about it as well this all came to light years ago Daniel Snyder still the owner however the team is reportedly up for sale true I mean that's been uh, you know dragging through for a variety of reasons of which I'm you know I don't follow on a daily basis so but it, you know as you mentioned it's been a it's been a long process I'll just end it there uh, but I do think you're right here that it, it uh, is something that is going to have to be really looked into further to see uh, what evidence supports what person's uh, statements, right? Like that's all we can do is we can take take in what each side has said, and now we have to find the evidence to support the statements uh, and then therefore make a determination going from there. But this is not a good look for the Cardinals organization and certainly not something that they would prefer to be 
dealing with. True. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we will obviously be monitoring that particular situation as it continues to unfold and uh, see where things determine. As I mentioned here, the Cardinals do have 20 days to respond to McDonough's claims. Uh, under the NFL's dispute resolution procedure guidelines, and then at which point Roger Goodell will determine if the case is subject to arbitration. So we at least have a minimum of 20 days before we'll know if things are going to move forward. We'll continue with some local conversation on the other side of the break, get into the Phoenix Suns. He is Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Twenty here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Suns, they beat the Spurs 115 to 94 last night. Just some numbers. Devin Booker scored 27 points on 9 of 21 and 2 of 10 from 3. Chris Paul, 22 points on 9 of 14 with 3 assists. KD, 18 points points on 6 of 14 and 8 and 19 points on 6 of 9 with 11 boards. Campaign did not play. Monty Williams said post game pain is fine that it was a decision to go in a different direction with the second unit and wanted to see more size on defense plus the ball in Booker's hands more. But I think the most important takeaway from this game is that uh, it, it has allowed the Suns to clinch a playoff spot and if they're able to stay there in this fourth spot they'll have home court advantage in the first round the kings though clinched the pacific division on tuesday so they cannot overtake the kings though that would be true i think we kind of figured that for a while that they were going to pass sacramento and you know it's uh, been you know f- you know four weeks ago today right when durant went down and they were in fourth place then and they're in fourth place now so uh, and they have the longest winning streak in the league last I looked, which was, you know, I thought yesterday. So I don't think that's changed in the last 24 hours. So, uh, you know, they seem to be in pretty good shape. I would have, I would suggest that if uh, they actually clinch the four spot here, uh, which I think they can do uh, with a win tomorrow night against the Nuggets, that, you know, I would uh, do some serious resting of players and try to avoid anything going wrong in the last two regular season games, then at that point, those would have no meaning for the Suns as far as their standing and as far as positioning in the Western Conference. Yeah, it it seems like uh, things are kind of locked and loaded there for the fourth seed for the Suns. And even for the Nuggets here, they have some questions. I know Jokic played uh, in yesterday's contest. He was uh, he didn't play very many minutes, but, you know, just questions and whether or not they're going to continue to play their guys tomorrow. If I know that they potentially have the Grizzlies on their heels, but just kind of figuring all of those things out if they're just going to continue to rest some players moving forward. Yeah, I would think it's, you know, they're, they haven't mathematically clinched the number one spot in the West yet. So I would think that they're, they're going to play their dudes. And, you know, they played their guys last night and lost. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, 
you mentioned the campaign the campaign thing i kind of wonder you know i thought at the time uh before i you know, heard williams uh who i think was very diplomatic with his explanation after the game uh you know, if campaign's not scoring we've said this for you know three years now maybe four right whenever the bubble four seasons uh if he's not scoring he not, he's not really guarding anybody and he's not a great passer so you know, I can understand. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, you know he weren't in the playoff rotation on a, on a nightly basis. But uh, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun here. But uh, you know, if you know when he scores, that's great. But uh, he doesn't really offer a whole lot more than the scoring potential on a nightly basis. And Chris Paul, as I mentioned uh, during the Sports Zone, he's been playing out of his mind here of late, and uh, I apologize. I just didn't have time this morning to go back and look at some of these recent numbers. But, uh, you know, last night, obviously, he made seven. In the first half, he had 18 points and made seven out of eight shots and four out of five from behind the arc. And, you know, he's playing in the last month or so, really, since the Durant injury, because uh, that seems to be kind of uh, on, kind of oddly coincides when he's really increased his level of offensive efficiency uh, as far as shooting goes obviously you know the assists last night were a little different because they got a whole lot of easy baskets last night because the Spurs who were without three of their five best players last night they didn't even make the trip uh, they're bad to begin with when they're intact so it was kind of a layup line drill they had 69 points the Suns in the first half and you know, there was a brief run by the Spurs, I know, in the third quarter, but that, that didn't last very long when the Suns, they had 97 at the end of the third quarter after they went on a 14-2 run to end the third quarter. So last night was more of a practice or a scrimmage than an actual NBA game for the Suns. Definitely. But you mentioned Chris Paul here. And, and last week, uh, I think it was, what was that, Tuesday or, yeah, I think it was Tuesday, uh, that Chris Paul had, I thought, one of his best games that he's had uh, so far in the last month or so. And I think it's continued since then. I think Chris Paul has to play at this level for this Suns team to want to achieve, you know, getting past the first round of the playoffs and, and making a deeper run. I know they're undefeated when Kevin Durant is in the lineup here. And Kevin Durant has obviously shown that uh, he his skill set uh, elevates this team to a whole new dimension. But I do think when it comes playoff time, you need Chris Paul uh, to be playing more like the Chris Paul uh, that we've seen in the past and not kind of what we saw at the start of the season. Yeah, well, I think we're way beyond that. I mean, he's been playing really well for a while. Uh, you know, I, I, his shooting percentages are way up. Uh, really since February 1st, uh, ballpark February 1st. So that, uh, I know, was an issue at the start of the season and some questions about that. I would beg to differ a little bit on you as far as uh, I don't necessarily know, if, I don't necessarily think that he has to play out of his mind to win the first round because, you know, whoever they play in the first round, uh, most likely the team they're going to play in the first round is not exactly, you know, flying into the playoffs with tremendous momentum. Uh, so, but I would think the deeper they get in the playoffs, especially if they would actually get to the finals, but at that point, I'm sure things would have gone pretty well, but you know, to me, you know, this is kind of a, you know, do they win the West? And, uh, that's one question. And then if they do win the West, uh, can they compete against Boston or Milwaukee, who, which to me are easily the two best teams in the NBA when Boston's playing their dudes. And obviously last night, I know Embiid got 52, 
but Boston decided not to play all their dudes even last night. You know, it's interesting. You also mentioned here that this game was kind of a layup festival for the Suns, and there really wasn't anything that you could take away from playing the Spurs other than, you know, positioning for the Suns when it comes playoff time. So my focus here was on the second quarter, and that was for when Al McCoy was able to join the broadcast and call the action like old times, and it brought back uh, tremendous memories for me, and his patented Shazam call was able to to be presented there, and just really some really early year memories for for me in the 90s uh, because I believe it was what 2003 when he transitioned over to just radio calls Uh, it's his 51st and final season calling Suns games so that was a treat to be able to get to see him once again on a television broadcast yeah I know that he and Eddie Johnson used to do the simulcast part together and I wasn't living here then Uh, as you mentioned 2003 you know he went full-time television so uh yeah, I wasn't here for the, you know, I think I might have been here for the one year, my first year uh, back here in, in uh, Arizona, living in Arizona and working here. Uh, so I heard a little bit of that, but, you know, you know kind of the, you know, the heyday of, uh, you know, the uh, Suns television broadcast, at least at that point you know, in the uh, 80s and 90s, the 90s basically, uh, we're with uh, Eddie Johnson, and Eddie talked about that last night during that second quarter. Oh, the 90s were a blast. Uh, the team, uh, Al McCoy, the broadcast, so much fun. Uh, but he was inducted, Al McCoy, uh, into the Suns Ring of Honor in 2017, and you mentioned some broadcast partners for him. Some of the list of the names, Eddie Johnson, Hot Rod Hundley, Tom Ambrose. Hot Rod Hundley. <laughs> <laughs> Tom yeah, Am- yeah, I remember that. Yep. So. Dick Van Arsdell, Keith Erickson, Cotton Fitzsimmons, Vinny Del Negro, Tim Kempton, obviously, is his current uh, broadcast partner on radio, and then Ann Myers Drysdale, to name a few of the people that Al McCoy has worked with. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was living in, I was in high school and college in uh, Tucson and, uh, in the early 70s, and uh, McCoy and uh, Hot Rod Hunley. And, uh, you know, I knew uh, Hot Rod Hunley because he did a lot of college basketball. There wasn't a lot of college basketball on national television, but I remember him doing some nationally televised games, I believe, on NBC uh, with Dick Enberg as the lead announcer. And uh, a lot of those were UCLA games because UCLA was the king of the mountain back in those days. Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, that was a treat to be able to get to, to see that in the second quarter. And uh, I wish it was for a better game than the one that we had against the Spurs. But uh, still an incredible career to Al McCoy. Congratulations to him. And, um, you know, I'm sure it, when we were talking about, you know, Jim Nance's final ride and how special it would be for him to have uh, a Houston Final Four, Houston being in the Final Four to be able to call it. Uh, I'm sure Al McCoy would like the Suns to make it as far as they possibly can and win an elusive championship to end his career, right? How fitting would that be? Absolutely. I've been to the finals, what is it, three times since he's been the announcer against the Celtics in the mid-70s and obviously with the the Barkley year and then just a couple years ago against Milwaukee. 
We'll take your calls on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. Do you have an Al McCoy favorite memory? Like I said, the 90s, things were just rolling uh, with the team. In addition to Al McCoy and all of his different idioms and, and everything like that, he made Suns broadcast so much fun. Plus, the team was just great. It was, uh, I have a lot of really cool family memories, too, about Suns games in the 90s. So if you want to, you know, mention something about that, you can. Uh, the Suns NBA. Major League Baseball, the Masters, plenty of things going on. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll get into some more around the NBA on the other side as well. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. As promised, phone calls 602-260-1060. We have Matt and Phoenix on the KDOS hotline. Matt, what's on your mind today? Hey, Kayla. Hey, Bob. How you guys doing? We're doing good. Good, good. Uh, I want to talk a little baseball, of course, um, little golf. Um Bob, is this the end of the line of Max Scherzer, or are we jumping to, or I guess I should say, am I jumping to uh, too big of a conclusion there? I would opt for too big of a conclusion. I okay. mean, obviously yesterday was a home run derby, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff happens. Uh, there's been quite a few really good pitchers that have not had That's a true. good first or second start so far this season. Yep. Uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, I assume that uh, – some of that will get better. I mean, if it becomes a pattern, and obviously, uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, you know, jump a lot of places uh, to that conclusion and maybe just jump at some, some strategical point. <laughs> last couple starts of last year weren't great either, so I'm kind of going back to, uh, to that. But, um, yeah, I need to see some improvement quickly here, especially with the injuries to uh, Verlander and Quintana and how bad Carrasco was as well. Uh, could be some big starting pitching concerns for the Mets. Um, as far as the Dimebacks are concerned, I agree with you. Um, I think 3-3 three and three is is more than okay coming home for the opener against the Dodgers. Um, kind of impressed in terms of how uh, different a ways the Diamondbacks scored runs in this series. Um, they won a couple of close games. Um, I think that's a skill. Um, I know a lot of metric people think that's kind of luck, but I think there's some skill to that. Um, so I'm relatively optimistic as a, as a person with a big wager on their win total. Um, I do want them to walk more. I think that's a big issue, uh, obviously, up until right. yesterday, which I think was more of a uh, product of the Padres pitching than it was the, uh, the approach of the Diamondbacks. Yeah, they had two walks for the season before yesterday. Yeah. And then, uh, yep. obviously, you know, Darvish had a you know, first start for Darvish. I mean, I'm – so, you know, I only gave up the one run, but I'm sure there's some Padres fans that are, you know, jumping off the building uh, across the street there, the apartment building. Or you know, they got more than one building there across the street now. By the way, it used to just be the one big apartment building there, but yep. now it's more than that. But anyway, uh, you know, so they definitely 
they took advantage of not just the walks, but also the Padres played some atrocious Oof. defense, uh, which they which they do every day, quite pretty close to every <laughs> day. Too. I mean, if you if you hit the ball anywhere on the corners other than the third base, yep. whether yep. it's first base, left field, or right field, you got a really good chance to reach safely. And yeah, Soto totally. is. Horrific yeah. in in the outfield. I mean, he's a glorified DH, and I love Juan Soto. But um, the fact that he got nominated for a Gold Glove last year might be the biggest joke in the history of professional baseball. So, except for um, David Peralta winning a Gold Glove, I mean, that okay. was even more amazing. So, uh, you know, it's, maybe it's just that the you know, corner outfield thing that's going on there. Yeah, David Dahl is also a butcher in right field. So, that's I mean, fair. And he's out there. He's been out there almost every game so far because they faced yep. all these right-handed pitchers. Uh, Kale, as far as the Masters goes, um, very excited. Obviously, the weather kind of kind of tempering the excitement a little bit here. Um, personally, I'd be shocked if one of the big three, uh, Rory, Scotty, or Rom, doesn't win. Um, I personally have a large position on Scotty Scheffler. Um, a lot of it, at a boost of almost twenty to one. Some at thirteen to one. Um, also uh, invested in, in the comeback run of Jason Day. Um, I like what I see from uh, Justin Rose as well, and I had to take a, a shot on a live guy because I think golf Twitter would burn to the ground, and the biggest uh, chance of it burning to the ground is if Captain America Patrick Reed comes back and and wins the Masters again. Um, so I have him also at 88-1. to 1. Uh Looking forward to this, and I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. And, and so to, to piggyback there off of the Masters, I, I think he's right in that it's probably coming down to the big three. They're just playing on such a different wavelength right now. Rory, John Rahm, and Scotty Scheffler. We went through the numbers last week, just how uh, good they are in terms of what they're gaining strokes off the tee, uh, what they're gaining strokes to the field every single round. It's really quite impressive what the those three have done to distinguish themselves from the rest of the group. Um, we also went through it last week as well, just how hard it is to defend a master's title. There's only ever been three players that have ever done it. Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, and Nick Faldo. So Scotty Scheffler certainly has his work cut out for him. However, I would argue that Scotty Scheffler is playing better golf now than he was last year at this time. I would also argue that, um, and he was quite candid about this, about just how nervous he was and wasn't sure he was ready to win a green jacket last year and he, he managed to figure it out and, and get the job done he seems to be more comfortable and confident in his game and him himself right now uh so he, i think he could be poised to put himself in a position to win another green jacket the weather though is something that i'm kind of monitoring because if it is going to be as soggy as it is, I know Augusta National has phenomenal drainage. They have worked really hard at coming up with this sub-air technology to be able to get the water off the golf course. But if it is going to be as wet as it is projected to be, and with the length of the golf course already favoring long bombers, uh, I think that this could potentially play into the hands of Rory McIlroy now. Is if you look at his career and when he has won major championships and when he 
has dominated winning major championships. I think of the U.S. Open at Congressional. That was wet, soggy conditions, but because he hits such a high, towering shot, has so much carry yardage, he just blistered the field. So I'm wondering if this is going to be the week for Rory McIlroy. He just has to stay out of his head uh, because he's going for the career Grand Slam, and he has certainly been very candid as well about how much the career Grand Slam would mean to to him and, and to the history of golf. And sometimes those sorts of sentiments are not what you need to just play golf. Uh, going off of what Matt said as well about Jason Day, he has been playing phenomenal. It's great to see Jason Day playing as good as he is once again because, my goodness, uh, he was ascending and then injuries just derailed his career so it's great to see Jason Day climb the ladder once again be healthy once again and if you go back to years past he has great history here around Augusta so I love that play for uh, uh, Jason Day and for Matt and uh, he's he's definitely right Twitter would burn to the ground if uh, Patrick Patrick Reed were to go on to win another um, green jacket uh, in addition to the fact that I think there would be some angst if a live player were to go on to to win a green jacket here I know Greg Norman has already come out and said that all 18 members of live that are in this event will be on the 18th green ready to celebrate uh, with whoever goes on to win the tournament if somebody does I know the odds the best odds on person right now to win a green jacket that is playing in live is Cam Smith but he's admittedly not really playing very good golf right now so uh, kind of interesting there because they only have three competitive tournaments on the live tour heading into this I'm not 100% sure that that's what you need for this grueling test that's ahead for you. So as Matt said, Masters Week, it's going to be a ton of fun and really looking forward to it. And we'll have more uh, on Masters Week here uh, in the next hour as uh, we'll be joined by Alex Myers. And we alluded to the weather here. Thursday's supposed to be high of 85, low of 67 with 30% chance of thunderstorms, winds 7 to 14 miles an hour. Friday, 50% chance of morning showers increased to 70% chance with possible thunderstorms, gusts up to 25 miles an hour. Saturday, 90% chance of rain, high of 52, low of 49, gusts 25 miles an hour. And Sunday, 50% chance of morning showers, partly sunny, high of 62, low of 47, gusts of 25. I hope the meteorologists are just completely wrong, but I don't know. This doesn't seem like a great situation. Uh, we'll get into the NBA on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Not quite ready yet to leave here on this Wednesday, April 5th. Bob Kemp. Yeah, no. Trying to do too many things back here uh, with uh, some tickets and everything like that. So, we're still 
dive into this segment here to wrap up hour number one. Hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll get into some NBA here in just a second, but moments ago here reported that uh, Arizona guard Kirk Creesa, we know he entered into the transfer portal and he has now found a new location, a new home. He's going to West Virginia and he's going to play for Bob Huggins. Yeah, assuming Huggins stays, I mean, there's been rumors for weeks that he was going to retire at the end of the year. So we'll see. It seems like a very strange fit, however. Uh, Huggins has had some point guards in the past, whether it be at UC or in West Virginia, that you know, got in your face defensively. And Crease is one of the worst defenders in the history of basketball. So on uh, the other side of things, as far as the U of A is concerned, that certainly uh, I know there was actually some speculation in Tucson that Crease might not actually transfer and is just throwing his name out there and wanted a little more attention. Uh, but obviously he's leaving, and I think that opens things up for Boswell, who, in my opinion, should have been playing more minutes and uh, taking minutes away from Creasa this past season. Yeah, so that'll be uh, an interesting little situation there. And then it'll be interesting for U of A to see what direction they're going to go, obviously making a massive change for them in terms of what direction they're going to lead their squad uh, on, um, from the guard position. Yeah, and I know it was reported on Monday night uh, that uh, Tubelis is not going to the NBA. Uh, he might, you know, I think Tubelis' best case would be actually if you're going to go pro, go play somewhere that's not in the NBA and go play in Europe somewhere. I think his style of play would be much better suited for that than the NBA. Let's get into the NBA here, and we'll start with the NBA West. The regular season ends April 9th, so positioning here is going to be key. The Nuggets, 52-27. and 27. Jokic played 25 minutes in a 124-103 to 103 loss to the Rockets. The Nuggets, though, stumbling a bit here. They've lost their last three of four. Well, what, Jokic hadn't played the previous four games there, so, uh, so I don't know how much of a you know, real factor that is. You know, you got a whole bunch of dudes that are not playing the last few week games of the season. And actually, if you're ever going to do load management, I don't quite understand some of the load management other than the back-to-back nights thing. Uh, but, you know, if, you know, as opposed to like load management in December, uh, you know, at the end of the season, if you've uh, already kind of, uh, you know, clinched your playoff position or really don't care about your playoff position, uh, at this point, with less than a week to go in the regular season, I think the most important thing is if you've got anybody that you have some questions about, sit them. This is actually the time to do it. Grizzlies are in second, 50-29. and 29. John Morant has been back. The Grizzlies, though, are 2-2 two and two in their last four games. Yeah, they've actually been playing really well for several weeks running now. I mean, uh, you know, they've... Uh, even when Morant was out for a while, they were winning games. So uh, maybe a really well is kind of a stretch, but uh, they've been winning games. So let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of Western Conference teams that have put together, you know, decent 10-game stretches for some time, uh, more than just a 10-game stretch. It's been, I guess there's, a, you know, if, if, if we really actually went back and broke this down, I would say there's not that many teams that are going to be in the Western Conference playoffs or the play-in round 
that actually have a you know really good record in the last 20 games of the season. The Kings are sitting in third at 48 and 31. They clinched the Pacific Division yesterday. They're winners of their last uh, three of four. How does Mike Brown not win Coach of the Year? I have no idea. I mean, it seems like a slam dunk to me. I mean, I don't even really, you know, not following the Eastern Conference uh, that closely during the regular season or close at all during the regular season. I don't even know. I guess, you know, Bickerstaff could maybe be a candidate. Uh, uh, but other than that, I'm not even really sure who's in the running. But, uh, you know, he's done a tremendous job. And I don't necessarily think they're a real playoff threat because of their lack of defensive uh, you know, skills. And I do think it's a priority. He wants them to play better defense than this. But uh, they've got a lot of guys who have a lot of offensive capability and scoring and, you know, ball skills, et cetera. But uh, I would be surprised uh, if they actually suddenly became a real threat in the postseason and win uh, more than a series. Uh, I had heard some talks in the East for Tom Thibodeau because of the Knicks. They're 46 and 33 in uh, fifth in the division or fifth in the East. But I can't make an argument against Mike Brown. It's it's got to go to him. Uh, then you have the Suns, uh, 44 and 35. The Warriors in fifth. And I should say this, that the Suns have confirmed that they there's a whole bunch of different tiebreakers that could potentially happen, but they would all go the Suns' way. So they are locked into that fourth spot. Fifth oh, okay. is the... Last night there was massive confusion about this. I think it has been uh, resolved here this morning. So that is great news uh, that they'll at least okay. then Hopefully get... Hopefully that's right. Yeah, I, I apologize to interrupt, but I remember I always harken back to this. I remember the NFL once they actually told the Kansas City Chiefs after the early games one uh, final week of the season that they'd clinched a playoff berth, and then 20 minutes later they told them that they hadn't. So well, let's hope that's, that's not the case accurate. then. Uh, yes. If so it it's, is... it's got a precedent in a different sport, of the, the actual league itself screwing up their own playoff situations. If it is, in fact, that they're locked into the fourth, then then they will at least have a home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. Fifth is the Warriors at 42 and 38. Andrew Wiggins returned to the team, but no timetable for his return to the court. The Warriors' uh, last two games are on the road at the Kings and at the Blazers. The Blazers, not a good basketball team. We'll see if the Kings have anything to play for. But we know much about the Warriors being 9 and 30 on the road. Well, and the uh, Blazers have shut down pretty much everybody that needs to be shut down, and that's what they should do too because they're bad. And why have anybody, you know, put Dame Lillard into danger if you keep playing him? But uh, they're really – they've shut down pretty much all their important players. Clay Thompson didn't play last night, so apparently the, the Warriors really didn't even care if they won last night. The Clippers are sitting at 41-38. and 38. Kawhi Leonard back, uh, have a big matchup with the Lakers tonight. The Lakers, 41-38. and 38. Anthony Davis, LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, they all had to play heavy minutes yesterday because the Jazz forced them to go into overtime. Yeah, and as I mentioned last week, you know, I used to go to a couple of different places that had, like, daytime updates as far as injury reports. And they've seemingly just given up on doing that because of all the load management this year in the NBA. And I just looked a few moments ago because I kind of thought this might come up regarding the Lakers. I really can't find anything whether Davis is playing this game or not. I know there was talk yesterday afternoon on SportsCenter that he would not play tonight because they didn't want to play in the second half of the day back-to-back. Uh, that was if he played last night and obviously played 40-plus minutes last night. So... 
I'm assuming there's at least some discussion out there whether he plays this evening. Uh, then you have the Pelicans sitting in eighth at 40 and 39. Zion, no timetable for return. They face the Grizzlies tonight. Just in general, uh, it's been a bummer that Zion's career in the NBA has just been completely marred by injuries. However, it shouldn't be surprising because I remember talking about this before he even entered the draft, uh, is whether he's going to survive uh, the wear and tear of the NBA. And unfortunately, to this point of his career, he is not. Uh, then you have the Timberwolves sitting in ninth at uh, 40 and 40. The Spurs and the Pelicans are next up for them to end the season. In 10th, the Thunder at 38 and 42. They have lost four of their last five, though. Yeah, and they've played really horrible basketball here lately, including that game Sunday against the Suns where you know, if you, you, know, you got Shea Gilgis-Alexander playing out of his mind every game, but pretty much nobody else on that team lately has played with any kind of consistency, which you know they talked about, I know, on Sunday during the broadcast. But, I mean, they, they had a nice run, but I think that you know, every team in an 82-game season has a nice run, and that run just kind of happened, uh, you know, like, two or three weeks before the playoffs started. I think we got some kind of, uh, at least I think I had some false hopes that, that they could actually be somewhat of a factor. And uh, uh, if they got into the playing round and so forth, but uh, yeah, they're, they're not good. And uh, they weren't, they were supposed to be terrible. So they've, they've, they've been, they've been much better than anticipated before the season started. And then you have the Mavericks at 37 and 42 and 11th. Luca yesterday complaining about Jalen Brunson being gone. So this has just been a complaint festival for a while, but you've been on it. Jalen Brunson not being with the Mavericks has certainly been an issue. Yeah, and I think I've been on this. I wish I were the only person, but as soon as he left, well, we, we kind of thought he was going to leave at the end of last year because he was going to get paid and they weren't going to pay him. And, uh, I wonder who they'd rather have now, Jalen Brunson or Kyrie Irving. And uh, Kyrie Irving's going to be there for, like, what, 30 games, and then he's not going to be back next year. Hour number two of Extra Point is coming up on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the Diamondbacks. They had an interesting game against the Padres yesterday, and we'll also catch up with Alex Myers from Golf Digest for some Masters conversation. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. 